Welcome to What's Hot Harlem America with G. Keith Alexander, the crossroads where culture, lifestyle, and community meet, all hosted by the legendary New York radio TV personality and proud Harlem American, G. Keith Alexander. Well, thank you and welcome to What's Hot Harlem America with G. Keith Alexander. And wherever you are, I appreciate you for joining our neighborhood and as we hang out together in Harlem America. Today in the What's Hot Spotlight is Clifton Davis. Clifton is a veteran TV, film, and Broadway star. You know him from That's My Mama, Amen, and Madam Secretary. And he wrote the Jacksons' hit song, Never Can Say Goodbye. And Clifton is currently starring in Broadway, or I should say on Broadway, in Wicked. So it is my distinct honor and pleasure to say Clifton Davis is what's hot. How you doing, Clifton? I'm doing great, G. Keith. It's good to talk to you and uh, the best of the season to you. Oh, great. Same with you. I, I, I see your Christmas tree in the back uh, with the lights blinking and everything. So I just, know you're in the holiday spirit. Just a little spirit. bit of the holiday in spirit in our home. That, that, that's fantastic. So I'm so glad that you were, were able to uh, take a little time to be with us. Uh, and uh, I want to, uh, well, start off with having you take the Wayback Machine. Let's, let's take the Wayback Machine and tell us what it was like growing up as little Clifton Davis. Well, little Clifton Davis was a pillar to post child. I, I'm a preacher's kid, and, uh, <clears throat> and I enjoyed being a part of the uh, church. I, uh, I enjoyed the music. I learned to sing harmony at five, six years old, uh, just singing the old hymns of the church. But during that period, my parents uh, split up. And uh, so then I went from my father to my mother, to my father, to my mother, from time to time, a year here, a year there, six months here, six months there. So I call myself a pillar to post child, but uh, it helped to teach me how to adjust to new places, new faces, to make new friends. And uh, it also gave me the basis for the song, Never Can Say Goodbye. I hated saying goodbye to my father when I left him. And I hated saying goodbye to my mother when I went back to my father. So I never wanted to say goodbye. And that's the fundamental uh, of the lyric of Never Can Say Goodbye, except that it applied to a romance that I was in at the time I wrote the song. So. Uh, yes, it was difficult to say goodbye, and it continues today. It's a, it's something that happens in this world. Goodbyes are not nice. They aren't, and uh, we got a chance to hear you sing that beautiful song yesterday at our friend's uh, funeral, uh, uh, Victoria Horsford, uh, and of course, she's the sister of Anna Marie Horsford, whom you've starred with in, in Amen, and... Yes. Uh, so it was so nice to to have you there uh, to sing that beautiful song. It so, was a privilege and an honor to be there. I love Anna Maria. We've been close since Amen started in 1986, which makes it about, what, 36 years? Uh, a <laughs> long time ago. And uh, we've not let a month or two go by without talking 
all these years. And so uh, I was so sorry for her loss. And when she uh, called me, I volunteered to do whatever she needed. And she wanted that song. Oh, beautiful, beautiful. Uh, Anna Maria Horsford, I've known since the uh, 70s when she was just a producer on the Soul TV show. And yeah. that's where I, I met her because uh, they had me be the announcer for the Ashford and Simpson episode. And I've watched her growth and laughed at laughed at her uh, ever since uh, then. So uh, she, she, she's a wonderful person. She is a talented actress and people don't know she... She helped found black women in theater uh, and a great organization. And uh, and like you say, she produced shows for uh, PBS and uh, she's an amazing woman. And she knows everybody's business and she keeps it to herself. <laughs> <laughs> but growing up on Long Island was uh, a fun experience on many levels. Mm -hmm lived near a duck farm so there was a almost waterfront it was like an inlet and we could get into boats and go out into the long island sound and uh and enjoy fishing and water sports so i grew up on long island learning to love to be outside and to be at the water learning to swim and uh just hanging out with friends it was lovely so all right so then um then you got to um, ABC, and you were a technician or something working at ABC? Yes, yes. As it turns out, I had started working on Long Island at a place called Riker Video, which was the company that popped up during the uh, beginning of the transistor age. You know, when people transformed the radio business from uh, vacuum tubes to little electronic diodes and, and transistors and resistors and capacitors. And uh, I got in on the ground floor of that with this new company, and I learned how to repair their product. And their product was being sold to all the television networks. <clears throat> so when something went wrong at one of the studios, they would send out technician from Riker Video to fix it because not a lot of people knew it was moving from black and white TV to color TV and our equipment helped to do that transition. So they sent me into ABC New York to fix the equipment and these engineers weren't able to do it. And then I found out that they were making a whole lot more money than me. So I, I decided to put in an application at ABC and I got the job and I started working at ABC television. And within a year, I was working in master control hmm. and uh, helping to keep the television network on the air, standing by waiting for something that needed to be fixed. It was a wonderful experience. So, all right, so now you're, you're at ABC, but then you end up seeing a Broadway play for the first time. Yes, it was amazing. I had never been to a, a live Broadway performance and friends invited me out and uh, I'll never forget. I went to see <clears throat> The Apple Tree, which was at the Schubert Theater on 44th Street. 
And Alan Alda and Barbara Harris were starring in that. Can you imagine Alan Alda with all black hair? <laughs> a young man. And, uh, and, and Barbara Harris, and they, she had won the Tony for this performance. So I went to see it, and I was totally, totally blown away. And I thought, oh, my goodness, it's like a movie right in front of my eyes. These people are live on stage doing this right now, and they're changing scenery and costumes. I said, this is phenomenal. Uh, by the time I left there, I had no voice. I laughed myself hoarse. <clears throat> and um, I was determined to find out how to do what they were doing on that stage. I, I said, I've got to learn how to do that. And so I started pursuing the entertainment industry. All right. Now, okay, so we got you in, 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 in the entertainment industry. All right. Now, did you, you, your first performance was where and what? Well, <clears throat> I went and auditioned for a new show called Hair. <laughs> <laughs> where everyone well, was naked, you, I think, right? They, I sang. They said, you got a nice voice. Do you have any experience? You've done any Broadway or off-Broadway? I said, no. <laughs> they said, well, come back when you get a little more experience. And I said, all right. They said, go do some summer stock or something and then come back and see us. And I said, thank you so much. And I turned to go and then I turned back and said, excuse me, what's summer stock? <laughs> and so they proceeded to explain to me that that's the regional theaters that use stock sets and things from the previous season. They repaint them and reuse them. And they have a stock company that they fly in to perform plays. And as it turns out, I found a summer stock company that I could go with and be uh, 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 an intern. And uh, so I spent a summer out in uh, Lambertville, New Jersey at Sinjin Terrell's Music Circus. And my <laughs> first performance was saying one line in the show, uh, Funny Girl. And mm -hmm. uh, uh, the line was, um, your cab is here. <laughs> that was it. Your cab is here. That was my line. <laughs> I came my. on stage. I said, you your cab is here. And, uh, and went on about my business. But uh, during that summer, I got to appear either in that one line or uh -huh. a couple of lines in another show. Um, uh, I got to appear in about five different shows. Two of them were children's theater. And I got to perform extensively in those plays. But uh, I learned a lot of by, by hanging lights and painting the stage and <laughs> learning the, the, the lingo and striking this or marking that. Or, you know, various terms that uh, uh, the theater used. And uh, at the end of that summer, uh, there was an open call for a Broadway show called Hello, Dolly that was doing an all-black version. 
Mm-hmm. And I went to New York to audition at the open call. There were 500 people out there for this three parts that were available. <laughs> <clears throat> and uh, I sang, and to make a long story shorter, um, I was accepted. They liked me. They kept me. And my first Broadway show was Hello, Dolly, starring Pearl Bailey and Cab Calloway. That's not a bad way to hit Broadway. <laughs> it was, that was fantastic. Wow. Uh, so, all right. So we got you on Broadway now. But but didn't you do it before you got there? You worked at Motown. You wrote songs for Jackson 5's, Supremes, uh, Diana Ross. Uh, the miracles. Tell us about that. Well, as a matter of fact, I had only written my class song when I graduated from high school. That was the only thing I had written when I got into Hello, Dolly. Mm-hmm. But while I was in Hello, Dolly, I used to <clears throat> I play by ear on piano. And I used to sneak down into the pit just to play on the piano that's down there <laughs> in between shows on Wednesdays and Saturdays. Really? Just that I didn't have a piano. I just wanted to keep up my skill. Well, I got caught down there one day by the piano player. Uh-huh. And he said, what is that you're playing? I said, oh, just nothing. I'm just noodling. He said, you need to write that noodling down. That's some good stuff. He said, that's interesting what you're playing. He said, you're just making that up out of your head right now? I said, yeah, I'm just creating it. He said, write it down. So that's when I decided to start writing music. Really? Within a few months. And he said, it's always okay to come and practice here. So I said, thank you. And so he let me come down and practice. And it turns out his name was Judd Walden, and he was writing a musical called uh, Raisin. A Raisin in the Sun musical. Really? Yes. And uh, he asked me to help him with the rhythm of one of the songs, a song called He Come Down This Morning. Really? He come down this morning. He come down this morning. Anyway, he had it playing as a jazz waltz, but he wanted uh-huh. it to be gospel. I said, no, no, not a jazz waltz. Let me show you how to do that. It's gospel. Oh. <laughs> Ooh. I don't know what I thought I was telling him. <laughs> and I'm, I'm not even, you know, I can't even read music. But uh, I sat down and I played what I heard with a Mm -hmm. gospel flavor, and he loved it. And he said, I'm going to use it. I said, well, great. He said, "Uh, I'll tell you what I want to do. I'm doing a musical called Raisin. I want you to help me raise the money. I want you to sing all the backers auditions for me. So (laughs) I would sing the backers auditions for all the songs in Raisin from what I was doing, from meeting him in Hello, Dolly. And while I was in Hello, Dolly, he started me writing music, and I got to meet the Supremes backstage 
in uh, at the Apollo, and mm -hmm. I told them I had written a song for them. Well, that's how it all rolled together. I was in Hello Dolly before I started writing, but after mm -hmm. I started writing, I used the Broadway connection to get me into other doors, and I got <laughs> became friends with the road manager for mm -hmm. for the Supremes. And he got me in the backstage, and uh, I eventually played a song for them that they loved, and uh, the rest is history. Incredible! What a story. I mean, you know, I had no idea. You know, having watched you on television and watched you uh, in films, and 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 seen you uh, uh, in in some of my some of my, my my favorite shows that you had such a history and uh we're going to talk more about that when we come back we're going to take a, a short break and uh, ladies and gentlemen you're you're listening to what's hot harlem america with g keith alexander and my special guest today is the legendary mr clifton clifton davis i mean cliff you're blowing my mind with all this stuff so we, we'll be right back uh don't go away have you ever thought about hosting your own radio podcast to establish fame fortune and followers for your small business people listen to them they subscribe to them and they love them as a small black business owner doesn't that sound like something you'd like to be a part of well you can when you hire the radio podcast pros at harlem america digital network Imagine, you'll have a team of creative and technical professionals at your disposal and a one-hour weekly radio podcast to spread the word about your business. Making your business successful with its own media is not for the faint of heart, but it can happen with a Harlem America radio podcast talk show. Get a free consultation by emailing gkeithalexander at harlemamerica.com or call D. Daniels at 480-553-5741 today. Listening to Harlem America. I love it a lot. For entertainment. Check it out, check it out. Empowerment and health and wellness. Harlem America. The home of Glasso Smart Water is Harlem America. Harlem America. Where Coca Cola is helping you enjoy less sugar. You're listening to Harlem America, talking to the world from the heart and soul of New York. You're listening to What's Hot Harlem America with G. Keith Alexander. To reach our show live today, call in to 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Also, you can send an email to gkeithalexander at harlemamerica.com. Now, back to the show. Okay, uh, we're here with Clifton Davis. And uh, Cliff, uh, tell us uh, about your... Uh, well, I, I think you were getting ready to sell the song to the folks. Uh, well, I'll let you tell it. Well, <laughs> you tell us. Having met the Supremes at the Apollo, and mm -hmm. I became friends with them. Um, I was, uh, I had now left Hello Dolly and went on to other shows. 
I had gone off Broadway to do a show called How to Steal an Election. It was an off Broadway hit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> then I did a lot of other shows, and I did uh, 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 Jimmy Shine starring Dustin Hoffman. I got into that show on Broadway. And then I got into another show called uh, Look to the Lilies and another show called The Engagement Baby. <laughs> I, I was doing Broadway, Broadway, and off-Broadway in between. And uh, I stayed friends with the Supremes, and uh, they were going out to uh, Vegas <clears throat> to star at the Frontier. And I had written a song called Here Comes the Sunrise that I wanted to get to their ears. Well, by that time, I had paired up with Melba Moore, and uh, we were an item, if you want to put it that way. And uh, that, That's what we had heard. <laughs> Melba and I were together, and uh, this is just before... Uh, our television show happened. Uh, we had already been together for a year and a half. And uh, Melba was going out to Vegas to perform at Caesar's Palace. Mm-hmm. She wanted me to accompany her. And I readily went along with her, not only to hear her perform, because she was amazing at certainly, Caesar's. Certainly. But uh, I also, and I was out of work at the time. Uh, I also went because the Supremes were performing at the Frontier down the street. <laughs> so while Melba was doing her show one night, I went over to see the Supremes. And uh, because I knew their road manager, I got into backstage and uh, they had a piano in their dressing room. And uh, I said, listen, I wrote you guys a song. Uh, I'd like you to hear it. You got a minute? Can I play it? And they said, sure, sure, play it for us. So uh, I started playing Here Comes the Sunrise. And uh, they liked it very much. Um, they said, "We, our producer is going to be here tomorrow. If you're going to be around, I'd like you to come back and play it for him. I said, I'd be happy to. His name was Frank Wilson. Mm-hmm. So Frank Wilson came in the next day and I played the song for him and he loved it and said he wanted it for the Supremes. I said, yes, I just <laughs> sold the song to the Supremes. Come on, man. The hottest <laughs> singing group in the world. And, well, it was very exciting. And so, you know, one door kept opening after another and things kept happening. Motown was just moving from Detroit to California. And they had just set up, in fact, it was the first week of their opening in California when I went out to their office at 6464 Sunset and uh, went to sign the contract for Here Comes the Sunrise with the Supremes. Uh Well, while I was in the office signing the contract, they were introducing me around. Uh, Here's a Broadway star, Clifton Davis, because I was starring in Two Gentlemen of Verona by that time. And uh, Mm -hmm. I was a Tony nominee Mm -hmm. uh, for Best Actor. Uh, At any rate, yeah, 
Melpo wasn't with no slouch, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I had my own pocket change. <laughs> right. <laughs> anyway, while I was in the room signing the contract, Hal Davis, a producer, stuck his head in the door. And they said, hi. And he said, oh, I'm sorry. And they said, no, no, come on in. want you to meet this young songwriter, Clifton Davis. And he said, hey, I'm Hal Davis. We had the same last name. I said, great. Mm -hmm. They said, well, he's, Hal is the producer for the Jackson 5. I said, Jackson 5? I wrote a song for the Jackson 5. I got a song for you. And he said, you do? I said, you got five minutes? I'll play it for you. So, uh, <laughs> so uh, he said, I got five minutes. Uh, I sat down on the piano. I started playing the song, and I got all excited. And I was playing it real fast. And he said, wait a minute, wait a minute. We must slow that down a little bit. <laughs> I said, well, I hadn't even ever conceived of it a little slower. Mm -hmm. But I slowed it down a little bit and started playing it. He went, that's a snag. He said, I love that song. I want that. I want that song. Never can say goodbye. Incredible. That's how I sold that song to the Jackson 5. And then about two months later, uh, they were in the studio recording the song. Mm -hmm. And uh, I got a call in New York uh, to to rewrite a segment of the song because Barry Gordy said he wanted it to go up there. I want it to go up here. So yeah. see what you can do. So I said, all right. And I rewrote it. And they asked me to fly out to California. I said, I, I'm coming out to California. I'll teach it to Michael. Hmm. So I flew out to California, went into the studio, Sunrise Sunset. And uh, uh, I taught Michael Jackson the new <laughs> melody Never Can Say Goodbye. He was the nicest kid on the planet. He was just as, as kind as he could be. He was 11, 12, 11 and 12, something like that. Mm -hmm. And uh, he was smart as a whip. His ear sharp. My Lord, what a musician. He was, wow. he was just gifted. And, uh, and uh, so I... Even though the pain and heartache seem to follow me wherever I go, though I try and try to hide my feelings, they always seem to show. Then you try to say you're leaving me, and I always have to say no. Tell me why. Well, that was the rewrite. So I that was it. it. Wow. Taught the rewrite, and he sang it perfectly immediately. And uh, hmm. the way I took hands off, I said, you got it. And, uh, and he went in the studio and I had the, the amazing, phenomenal privilege of listening to Michael Jackson knock that thing out in one take. One take? Wow. It was Incredible. Just, just, I was in the studio while he recorded Never Can Say Goodbye. Wow. That was, that was, that was special. Isaac Hayes recorded it, Gloria Gaynor has recorded it, and many other 
uh, uh, singers, musicians have recorded that song. It, yeah. It's almost a dumb question for me to ask you. How important has that song been to your life? It's been extremely important to my life. It has opened doors for me around the globe. I, I went down to Brazil to get into the music of Brazil and learn a little bit about it because I love bossa nova and samba. And uh, as soon as I told these artists, major artists in Brazil, that I wrote Never to Say Goodbye, boom, the door was wide open. And suddenly we were hanging out having dinner. I'm having dinner with Javon. I'm having dinner with Caetano Veloso. I'm having dinner with Gilberto Gil. I'm, I'm, I'm hanging out with legends. And it's because they respect the music that I created. And I respect the music that they created too. These are brilliant, brilliant musicians. And I'm proud to have become friends with them. Um, but it opened doors for me throughout my life. Um, it's been it's been a life changer. It, it saved me. It made me money when I was not acting. And mm -hmm. uh, it, it just took care of me. And not only that, uh, I got to write three or four other songs for the Jacksons. And uh, and for the miracle, which other songs? I wrote "Looking Through the Windows," "Looking Through the Window," "Looking Through the Window," the window to your heart. Oh, baby. <laughs> anyway, and I wrote uppermost, wow. "Uppermost on My Mind." Mm -hmm. And then I wrote for Michael a song called "Give Me Half a Chance." Oh, baby, give me half a chance. It's a nice little tune. Um, yeah, I wrote a number of songs for them. How uh, how are you able to to do all of that? I mean, you know, okay, songwriting, acting, uh, not just acting, but several times on Broadway. How many times have you been on Broadway? This is my ninth Broadway show. Your ninth Broadway show. Wicked, All right, so this is my ninth Broadway show. Incredible, and and so how that are you able count, to? That doesn't count regional theater or tours. That's just Broadway, particular, you know, specifically. I've done a lot of shows on. I was on tour with Lena Horne for a year in Pal Joey. Uh, really? Didn't make it to Broadway, but we toured the country. Uh, well, we toured the West Coast uh, for eight, nine months together. Well, okay, so now you're doing all that, and while you were on Broadway in one of the shows, you were also taping episodes of Madam Secretary on TV. Yeah. What kind of experience was that? I mean, going from, you know, the stage to, to shooting and then back to the stage and then shooting? <laughs> it's... Uh, it, It'll keep you. It'll keep you going. <laughs> um, there are two different types of acting uh, from television to Broadway. Broadway is much broader, bigger, uh, grander. Television acting is concise, tight, personal, intimate, and uh, to go. A lot of people can't go one way or the other, only one. Mm -hmm. 
Mm -hmm. A lot of actors have difficulty transitioning. Um, it takes practice and work and study. And, uh, and I've been blessed to be able to have a chance at both. And so I've had lots of years of learning how to do it, how to, how to act on television, how to do a scene one way here and another way when I'm on stage, you see, which is much, <laughs> much larger. So I had you to were do doing that in my head overnight. And uh -huh. between five and seven o'clock, I had to change from television to Broadway. And you were doing Aladdin on Broadway at the time. I originated the, the role of the Sultan in Disney's Aladdin on Broadway in <laughs> 2014. And I stayed there four solid years um, uh, playing the Sultan every night. But during that time, I also shot 42 episodes of Madam Secretary, not to mention New Amsterdam, not to mention police. <laughs> uh, NYPD, what, what is it? No, no. Blue Bloods. Blue Bloods. Blue Bloods and other guest starring roles. Huh? Oh, New Amsterdam, yes. Uh, I've been blessed to do a lot of guest starring uh while I was on Broadway. And uh, it, it's a challenge for the mind because you have to learn all of these lines during the day and then come back and remember what you're doing at night on stage in the theater. Man, you are so talented, so talented. So uh, God has really given you uh, many gifts, okay? <laughs> You've got many gifts. Uh, so. Let's talk about you pay, playing Elijah Muhammad in uh, two seasons of uh, uh, Godfather of Harlem. Yes, yes. Wow. What was that like? Well, that was, that was a real challenge. That was a challenge, and that's the reason I took the job. Um, I loved the challenge of trying to play a historical character um, even though I missed some of his physical attributes, physically mm -hmm. himself, he was a very short man. Uh, I'm taller, I'm six feet. And uh, it was important, it was important for me to find the character, uh, the way he spoke, his rhythms, his demeanor, his attitude. Mm -hmm what he got excited about, what pleased him, and to portray that role as best I could. Well, the Lord blessed, and uh, I got the part after I auditioned. I did have to audition on tape for that. And uh, they hired me, and uh, it was only gonna be one, one episode, but it turned into three episodes in their first season, and three episodes in the second season. So I was very proud to be a part of that history. And, uh, and now they're, I'm sure they're shooting their third season, um, but they've, they've moved on from that storyline. But uh, yes, working on Broadway and working on television simultaneously has been exciting for me and some of the highlights of my life. Well, uh, we've got about two and a half.
half minutes before we take a break. And I forgot to to uh, mention, and I'd like for our audience to to know that uh, you did a, a jazz album uh recently called never can say goodbye and take six is on the album with you tell us a little bit yeah. about that we've got about a minute and a half well break. um years ago i went back to college to get a degree in ministry while i was in undergraduate school i had dropped out of hollywood 1981 and i went back to college in alabama while i was down in alabama i met a brilliant young teenager named Mervyn Warren. Mervyn Warren became one of the most brilliant Grammy winning artists ever. And he founded the group Take Six. And so I met them way back when, 1981 or two, that's almost 40 years. Oh my God, that is 40 years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've known those young men 40 years, wow. And so I was their friend then. They went into the studio with me back when they were just teenagers. They were just getting out of high school. Mm. And, uh, and so I became friends with Take Six. And I've kept that friendship going over the years. Well, Mark Kibble is one of the most brilliant arrangers. And he is, he is the center and lead singer in Take Six. Uh, Mervyn Warren's no longer with them, but Mark Kibble is. And when I had this project to do, I thought they would be ideal. Well, to be honest with you, my wife suggested it, and I took <laughs> her advice and brought them into Smart the man. And uh, Smart so man. I went. She took me to see them as a surprise for my birthday at the Blue Note. Mm. And uh, I got backstage with them and laughed and talked. And I said, geez, I, uh, I would love you guys to come and uh, be a part of this uh, jazz project. And they said, we'll come if we can do Never Can Say Goodbye. I said, oh, oh. <laughs> I said, you got it. And so, uh, so I used Take Six on Never Can Say Goodbye with this new album. It's been out for about a year and a half. And, uh, and we're excited about it. And it's still available on iTunes, Spotify, and all the Amazon music and everything. Beautiful. Well, we'll leave it right there, take our short break, and we'll be right back. And I want to talk to you about your spiritual awakening when we come back. This is What's Hot Harlem America with G. Keith Alexander, and we're uh, fortunate to have Mr. Clifton Davis on today. So uh, don't go away. <laughs> Have you ever thought about hosting your own radio podcast to establish fame, fortune, and followers for your small business? People listen to them, they subscribe to them, and they love them. As a small black business owner, doesn't that sound like something that you'd like to be a part of? Well, you can when you hire the radio podcast pros at Harlem America Digital Network. Imagine, you'll have a team of creative and technical professionals at your disposal and a one-hour weekly radio podcast to spread the word about your business. Making your business successful with its own media is not for the faint at heart, but it can happen with a Harlem America radio podcast talk show. Get a free consultation by emailing gkeithalexander at harlemamerica.com or call D. Daniels at 480-553-5741 today. Harlem America. It's about Harlem. Harlem is my town. Carver Bank, where 80% of every dollar is reinvested in the community. 
Harlem America, the home of Coca-Cola Zero. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at blog.voiceamerica.com. That's blog.voiceamerica.com. The Voice America Press Blog. All access, all the time. You're listening to What's Hot Harlem America with G. Keith Alexander. To reach our show live today, call in to 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Also, you can send an email to gkeithalexander at harlemamerica.com. Now, back to the show. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, I am so pleased to have Mr. Clifton Davis here today. And uh, Cliff, we were talking about... uh, the album and uh you wanted to finish up on that yes yes i uh the project that we have out now never can say goodbye which is available in all the outlets um was was with a a a lady who is a phenomenal jazz pianist who has a great trio her name is bg adair and she supported me on this album and we used her band, her trio, to uh, to do the album with me. And, uh, of course, we added strings and sweetening along the way. But it was B.G. Adair's inspiration and her gifted keyboard that really made this happen. And it was the reason we did the album. We became friends. I saw her in Birdland, and we met, and we got along great. She came to see me in Aladdin and we made great friendship with her and Monica Ramey who sings with her and was her, her manager. Um, BG passed away uh, earlier this year and we're going to miss that wonderful talent that she is. But thank God we have 36 of her albums uh, out there. And uh, she has her own Pandora music channel. And uh, I'm proud to have done her final project with her and with Monica Ramey. And I sang Two for the Road with Monica Ramey as a, uh, as a, as a duet. Mm-hmm. And what a wonderful, wonderful time I had making that project with B.G. Adair and Take Six. Fantastic. Well, you know, we'll put a link uh, on your uh, brand support page uh, where uh, folks can go and purchase the uh, the album uh, so that they can hear this fantastic, fantastic uh, piece of music. So, uh, all right, let's now let's talk about your spiritual awakening. Everything is going, you know, you're doing your acting and you're writing music and you're meeting all these famous people and and having fun. And then all of a sudden, God speaks to you. How did that come about? Well, because in out front, everything was fine. But behind the scenes, it wasn't quite so, quite the same. Uh, I had gotten into some things that I shouldn't have gotten into. I, I had gotten into uh, experimenting with, with drugs. And it was on the verge of 
destroying my life. And uh, the fact is, I was I was lost and looking for some direction, and and uh, I was feeling terribly insecure. I hadn't had recent successes like I wanted, even though I'd been blessed all along. Uh, something was missing in my life. And uh, <clears throat> into that emptiness, into that void, God spoke into my heart through my younger brother who prayed for me. And mm. in his prayer, uh, he ministered to me. And uh, between him and the rest of my family, they helped me to find my way out of that hole I had dug for myself and to get away from that lifestyle that, you know, tried out this, that, and the other. And little by little, within one month of making that decision, God brought me out of drug use and uh, wow. cleaned up my life. And I'm happy to say that was 42 years ago, uh, 1980, God cleaned up my act. <laughs> so for the last 42 years, I've spent time telling other people about this God I serve, this God I love, this God who turned and transformed my life. And, uh, and I know he can do it for anyone else and everyone else. So I believe that in my heart. And uh, that was my spiritual transformation. I haven't lived the perfect life since then. I've made some mistakes. I, uh, you know, I had a marriage fail on me. But the Lord is merciful. And uh, after a number of years, he brought someone into my life who has now been my wife for 23 years. Wow. And we've just been blessed. And she God bless my, you guys. My right arm and I couldn't live. Uh, uh, this life without her. Uh, she's just amazing, and I'm so proud of my wife, Monica. So I just thank God for that transformation. And I spent 26 years hosting on the Trinity Broadcasting Network, telling the I world. Caught you, I caught you a couple of times. Well, thank you. Telling the world about how God loves us and uh, the measure of that love that he showed in sacrificing his son on the cross. So we're happy here at Christmas time because it's the birth of a savior that we're celebrating. Wow. So aside from <clears throat> those mistakes that you made, I, I feel compelled to ask you this follow-up question. And that is what regrets what regrets do you have and uh, what did you have to give up to become the Clifton Davis that we know today? You know, I do have some regrets. I regret some of the pathways I chose earlier on. I regret some of the uh, relationships I did not treat with respect. I regret that I didn't have this mindset of appreciation for friendship and love that I have now back then. It would have changed a lot of things. 
It would have kept me away from the experimentation. It would have helped me to help others. And it certainly could have prolonged my initial career. But the thing I don't regret is finding my way back. Mm-hmm. I don't regret finding a pathway to peace through my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That erases regret. Regret doesn't add a day to your life. Guilt doesn't extend one day in your life. So give your cares to Jesus. Turn your sins over to him and he'll take them away. And you can move forward with your life in the positive light. Mm -hmm. Don't worry about the regrets of the past. The past is behind us. And look at the hope of the future before you. Beautiful. Well said. Well said. So you're... You you were a minister at uh, a church here in New York, St. Luke's or something. You were involved. Oh, I have ministered at St. Luke's Church many many times, and uh, I was friends with the former pastor, Dr. J. G. McCann, and he kept bringing me in to be his homecoming speaker year after year, and it was a wonderful relationship. He recently passed away. And the church is now passed by another gentleman, a worthy leader, uh, Dr. Hilliard, I think his name is. I haven't had a chance to get up there, uh, but I'm going to get up there very soon to share with them again. And no, I didn't pastor there, but I have been licensed by that church to to minister. You have... um the Sterling Affair, is, is that something that's upcoming or? Yes, yes, I'm excited about it. Uh, there is a, uh, while, <laughs> while I'm doing Wicked on Broadway, here I go again, I'm, I'm doing a <laughs> television show. <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, I have, uh, I'm a recurring guest star on a six-part television series called The Sterling Affairs. It's a new series that's coming on the FX channel, and it is discussing and dramatizing the life and legend of the scandalous life of Donald Sterling, former owner of the Clippers. And this tells the story of how that racism came about and how the scandal turned so many lives around, including his. So I'm playing a historical character in this. I'm playing Elgin Baylor, the great basketball. Oh, yes. And, uh, and the star of the show is Lawrence Fishburne, who is playing Doc Rivers, coach of the Clippers back then. He's coach of the 76ers now. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. Uh, he was the coach of the Clippers. And I played Elgin Baylor, who was the general manager for the Clippers for 22 years. So that series is coming out. I'm in the process. I've filmed two episodes. And uh, now I'm going to fly back out to Hollywood, (laughs) film two more episodes, and and then come back to Broadway and finish out my run. 
That's beautiful. So we're winding down. We've got about maybe three and a half minutes. Uh, what words of wisdom will you, would you give to some of the up and coming uh, uh, actors and actresses that, that would love to be able to uh, follow in your footsteps? Well, first, a word of caution. Don't do this if it's not your passion. <laughs> this is a hard life to choose where you get rejected almost daily. But when you get accepted, it's a wonderful thing. Mm -hmm. You certainly work your way up to it. Uh, so that's the word of caution. If it's not your passion, if it's not something you can't live without, don't do it. Because it's tough. It's not easy. But if it is your passion, you see the light come on in my eye. If yes. it is your passion, ask for God's help. And he'll help guide you to the right mm -hmm. path. Seek ye mm -hmm. first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added unto you. I got a call this morning. God. Offering me another job. You really? Know, hey, I'm 70 something years old. <laughs> Who thought this would happen when I left ABC TV to do summer stock theater? You know, they said, Cliff, if it doesn't work out, you can come back. We're going to keep your job open for six months. Well, it's been 50 years. <laughs> I've never gone back. And I keep getting jobs because God opens the doors. Here's the other thing. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. In all thy ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your path. Get God's help for whatever pathway you're on and it'll be a good path, better than you could do without him. So be it. Praise God. All right. Well, hey, this has been wonderful and uh, we're uh, out of time, but man, uh, you know, you have really uh, been a wonderful special guest. You've revealed a lot of things that I had no idea that you were doing and had done. So thank you so very, very much, Clifton. Uh, we're going to get over to see you on, on Broadway at, at Wicked. And uh, your CD, I want to remind people they can get the CD, Never Can Say Goodbye. And yep. uh, it's just wonderful having you. And Thank you, uh, GT. You're a wonderful host, and I remember you from radio years ago, and you still got it, buddy. You still got it. Got <laughs> well, thank you, Clifton. That's so nice of you to say. Uh, God bless you and Monica, and uh, have a great day and a better one tomorrow. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, we'll see you next Friday right here at What's Hot Harlem America with G. Keith Alexander. Thanks for listening to What's Hot Harlem America with G. Keith Alexander. We'll be back next Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time. That's 1 p.m. in New York on the Voice America Variety Channel and the Harlem America Digital Network. Thank you for listening. Oh, oh, oh.